This is a pretty bad podcast. What has four legs but never runs away? Ooh, a table or a chair? A dead dog. Oh, yeah. Two dead bodies. A dead cat. Ooh, a calf they have chained up to make veal. Any dead four-legged animal. Two mannequins. Half a spider. Oh, oh, oh! Christopher Reeve and Stephen Hawking. Two-thirds of an ant. Ooh, bucket of chicken. Bucket of chicken. It's bucket of chicken. Or one-twentieth of a centipede. That's good math. Thanks. A ZZ Top single featuring the original and three remixes of their hit song, Legs. A giraffe stuck in a tree. O.J. Simpson's murder victims. Or my favorite, two blow-up dolls. Jesus Christ, it was the chair. You had it the first time. You guys are freaking sociopaths. Ooh, Centaur Love Doll. Hey, 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 what's going on? This is Drew with the Pretty Bad Podcast. Joining me today is Mr. Jeremy Smith. What's going on, Jeremy? I am doing well. Coming off a good comedy show last night, so uh, not a bad, uh, been a lazy piece of shit today, so, but last night was fun. Good, good, good. And also joining us today is Mr. Matt Keck. He was the other man you heard on that uh, wonderful intro. What's going on, Mr. Keck? Uh, you know, just, just living that life. I, uh, I just adopted an 11-year-old cat, so, you know, just n- nor- normal stuff. You just adopted an eleven-year-old cat. I did. Oh my God! You're going like for set punishment. Yourself up for heartbreak, right there. Right. Oh, I mean, I, you know. <laughs> well, and, and, you see, I live in like a, a one-bedroom guest house, and you're supposed to like keep her separate from the dogs so that they can slowly learn each other. And it has been like a nightmare of shuffling dogs into rooms with cat running to other rooms and oh it's been it's just been a blessing a true blessing (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds like a like a wonderful thing so mr keck uh tell us a little bit about yourself since you're new to the podcast um stand-up comedian uh done that for what like eight years and some people might know me from my little youtube video i'm a snake uh which you know, slithery little snakey snake. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just, that's pretty much the only thing people know me for. That's it. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty, pretty hilarious. Uh, whenever I've been around you and people are like, is that, I th- I know that guy. Where do I know that guy from? Right. And you're like, uh, well, I'm a snake. And they're just like, that's it. Oh my, can I'm I like, take a picture with you? <laughs> wait a minute. He's not retarded. <laughs> I've been, I've obviously been around it a lot, um, and people are either extremely like excited or can't give a shit more, like at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. It's one extreme <laughs> or the other. Have you ever used that like to try and get out of paying a check or something like that? I mean, n- no, I have like, I have like been drunk and like just tried to drop that as like a thing that's like, Hey, uh. Don't you, you know who snake? I am? Yeah, you ever seen the snake video? And I'd say 20% of the times they're like, sure. And that's the best scenario is like, sure, I've seen it. <laughs> Great. It makes it just a slight, slight less awkward situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm just, I just end up making a drunken jackass out of myself. But hey, it's okay. Right on, right on. It doesn't matter. Perfect. Once that uh, Chewbacca lady came out, he was totally done for. Like, no one gives a shit about him anymore. <laughs> I will have to tell you, I was a fan of the follow-up. I'm a B is one of my favorite. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. It's just simple. It's just that. Not even the best video. 
he's done though. Icicle Karate is still the best video. Icicle Karate <laughs> is hilarious, especially yeah, when it, when the one falls and hits him in the head. Uh, and I do the freaking uh, the murder kick where I kick yeah. it above my head and I fall on my ass. <laughs> yes. yeah, that was great. Gold. Oh, well that that intro clip was uh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Keck, and uh, Paul Shields, and. Uh, I don't know what it is when you three guys get in a room. Some of the stuff you come up with, like I, I can't help but laugh at. So <laughs> that that was when I heard that, and I was trying to come up with an intro. I was like, "This is it. This is the best I'm gonna do." So yeah, that's honestly that's one of my funny or my favorite videos we've done in a long, 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 long time. Like I don't know. That's why that's why our, our shows are so good. We just I don't know. We hang out so much that it was just like fuck. Like we should just like do this in front of people man like mm -hmm. now now you guys can you explain this to me because this is not when you guys do the lucha raptor shows those are not what i would consider traditional stand-up comedy right it's more of sketch yeah. comedy or it it i the best way to describe it is variety show in quotes it's just like experimental weird we're doing games and sketches but like sometimes it'll just be far out and we'll like have the moon and the earth roasting each other in a roast battle and then <laughs> yeah. some poor guest comic has to follow that like we do choose your own adventures and murder mysteries and Oh, don't say that. My wife's been trying to get me to go to Murder Mystery for I don't know how long, and I've been able to well, avoid it. But... See, ours ours was a little different because Brandon Murphy was our fourth member, and he left and went to L.A., so we had to come up with some reason in our in the kayfabe of our show that he was no longer there, so we killed him. Ah. Yeah. Ah, so it's it's like a full WWE-style production, then. It's, it's oh, real yeah, thought out. Oh, yeah, we've got running storylines. We've got championships. Dude, that we sounds legit. A, a, a theme song, basically, that we sing every show. Yeah, which is just All Star by Smash Mouth. But it's a great song. <laughs> Everyone knows it. You, <laughs> oh, you, can oh, start, yeah. you can start singing Smash Mouth by All Star, and everyone starts singing along immediately. Every it's... single show, they oh. start singing along. They clap to the beat. Yeah, did you guys have a uh, uh, another meetup at this one, Jeremy? Or was it just everybody no, was, was actually there to see you guys time. perform? I think we're actually banned from meetup.com right now <laughs> after the controversy last time. So, Did you further the gay agenda? Oh, yeah. Oh. I think we, we furthered the gay agenda and fisting quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Straight up promoted the shit out of it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to kind of... Uh, some of the funny stories and things like that down the road, but just to get to know you a little bit more, what do you do during the day, Mr. Keck? You can't, unless you're just one of those full-time comedians that makes millions of dollars. Oh man. If, if only I, uh, for a while I was trying to do the full-time comedian thing cause YouTube was making me a little money, but it turns out trends slowly die and I had to get a real big boy job. <laughs> uh, but I did luck out. I work at an advertising agency. Uh, I run the Twitter for a very high-profile fast food account that sells square old-fashioned cheeseburgers. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the yeah, that's the Wendy's roasts, like all of the things you see on the internet where we're burning McDonald's and we're burning Hardee's and we're trashing people for trying to troll Wendy's. I'm on that team, and it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I will tell you, and, and 
for those people who don't understand what he's talking about, literally just wait one day and check your Facebook feed. Because there are constantly articles out there. And I'm like, ha, ah, these are so good. And people, I, I, there are legitimately people out there who think that, like, Wendy's, someone in corporate headquarters is like, yep, this is what we're going to type. I'm like, I don't think that's quite how it works. But it doesn't make oh, these yeah. any less funny. Who's your favorite target? Oh man, uh, my favorite one that we that I I did was when Hardee's uh, was tweeting at us, and someone was trying to say that their four for four meal was better than Wendy's, and I said, you know, I prefer the original to a knockoff, but you do you. And then they said, well, just because you're first doesn't mean you're best. And I had to, like, calm myself down <laughs> because they gave me such a softball. I was like, okay, what's a weird way I can respond to this? Not just a normal barium. And I said, tell us the forced person to land on the moon without Googling it. And then they blocked us. <laughs> and so instead of just, like, letting it go, I wrote, LOL, they blocked us. And that's when everyone screenshots it and starts sharing it everywhere. And that was that was by far my favorite. Oh, that was so good. I was actually in a meeting with Twitter sales reps while on Twitter doing that. <laughs> did you did you have to take a moment and be like, guys, you got to see this. This is too good. This is yeah. This I, is showed perfect. The per- I showed the person sitting next to me, like uh, at in the meeting, and they just started laughing. That was before anyone had seen it, and they were just like, "Oh man, that's great." Oh, that's so good. That makes my my day job look boring as shit. I mean, it, it it can be boring too. I mean, I sit there and I respond to the same tweets over and over again most of the time. But I don't know. It's fun. I've got a good team. They all work together great. Like it just it just works for us, and it's awesome. Is there a set number of retweets you have to get to get free nuggets? Or uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, that was just uh, off the top of my head there on that one, telling him the eighteen million. But it, that that sure worked out. So, I mean, congrats to you because you're you're basically one half of the most retweeted tweet in Twitter history, right? Yeah, like I'm an unofficial Guinness World Record holder right now uh, because I guess officially you'd have to give it to the kid and then unofficially to Wendy's account and then unofficially unofficially to me since I was the one who tweeted it from Wendy's account. But, hey, I'll take it. Oh, hey, that's that's... Significantly closer to any world record um, that I've ever been. You, Jeremy? Uh, coincidentally, I am also a Guinness world record holder involving Wendy's food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but consuming it. Um, I'm just waiting for them to, to publish that shit. How many beef patties were on the burger? It's not exactly how many were on one burger. Is how many... <laughs> Just total. Total. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we're going to start talking about what it's like to be a comedian. Um, so I know uh, you guys have um, a pretty unique view over uh, what it's like to be a comedian. I know a lot of people think it's uh, a lot of glamour, a lot of fame. I've been able to stand and talk to Jeremy after some shows and people come up and, and shake hands what's it really like to be a comedian in Kansas city right now? (laughs) Um, you know, I honestly, we have a pretty good scene right now. Like we've got a lot of mics and a lot of pretty good shows going on. Uh, but really like there's like no glamor. I see. I, I think about, I think about comedy, like 
heroin use. Like it feels really good. Like while you're doing it. And then afterwards you're just like, fuck, I don't feel that good at all for the rest of my life ever. And it doesn't give you anything back. It just gives you the high while it's happening. So then you have to go chase that dragon again. And the next thing you know, you wake up in an alley with some random guy's dick in your mouth. <laughs> That's a very, really good way to explain it, especially that last part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. Uh, it feels amazing when you're doing it, unless you're not, not doing it well, which it's the highest highs and the lowest lows. Um, because... If you have a great set, like I can be on an adrenaline high that night and it'll carry me the whole night. And then if I have a bad set, it will ruin my life for days. So, uh, and it's just, uh, you know, being in a city like Kansas City, there's just not as many opportunities to go around. So we had to go out. We weren't happy with the opportunities we were getting. Um, and so we have you have to go out sometimes and make your own opportunities and that's where kind of matt took the lead on this and uh matt and paul specifically and i was lucky enough to be a part of it from the beginning and we have a you know shows to run in two years now and you know we had to go out and make it happen because it was the opportunities we wanted were not coming to us right and, and i think i think the big thing that's different about kansas city as compared to a lot of other big cities is you're not going to go up and do a mic and then just some guy who happens to work for some TV station or some show or something is going to see you and be like, I like the way this guy looks and talks. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw a couple couple thousand dollars his way and let him, uh, you know, write for this or stand in and act in the, Like, we don't, that's literally never going to happen here, ever. And that's fine. You know, that's whatever. So let me ask you, what is the weirdest thing you guys have ever been paid in to do a show? <laughs> I did a show in this weird off-road thing in Independence, Missouri. It was a coffee shop where they also made tacos, and we were supposed to get paid money, but instead he decided he would pay us in all-we-could-eat tacos <laughs> uh, because no one showed up to his little coffee shop show. Uh, so I ate as many goddamn tacos as I possibly could. Cause at the time I was broke and I'm pretty sure I ate like 12 tacos and shoved two in my now wife's purse. <laughs> were they at least solid tacos? They were, I mean, they were all right. Jeremy, what's the weirdest thing you've been paid in, man? Just, uh, I don't have any like super specific, you know, uh, things like he does. You know, bar tab and just drinks and and food and you know, shitty bar food. Uh, all you can eat chicken of, wings. You know, no, it's never all you can eat. They always give you a dollar amount, especially with me. They're never going to be like you can have all you can eat. Like, <laughs> they're always like you can have twenty dollars worth of whatever, and I'm just like okay, I get it. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's a lot of you know comedy for free. You're, yeah. You know, starting doing comedy, especially, you know, for anybody, I you you're, you lose money. You know, of the five, six, six years I think I've been doing it now, I if you tallied how much money I made or how much, you know, I'm way in the negative. Yeah, yes. I, I can't, 
I can't understand what it's like to be a comedian to do that, but in just doing this podcast, I already know what it's like to do something that costs you money to do it for the sheer enjoyment of it. So, oh uh, yes, oh yeah, our show. I'm I'm buying props, I'm buying costumes, I'm buying prizes, and I'll be damned if we charge anyone to walk in the door. We just let them in. <laughs> See, I think you guys need to put somebody in costume as the human tip jar, just to make it awkward enough that people are sitting there and they feel guilty, so they have to put something into we, the tip we jar. We might just have someone dress like as like a as a deacon and just pass around the collection plate. <laughs> that's actually a really, that's actually a great idea. Or you could just put Jeremy in a bikini with a with a garter no, on and have him slip money into his garter. We're trying to build an audience here, not like. Hey, there's, there's an audience for that. Market. Yeah, there's, there's an audience for that. <laughs> Jeremy yeah. the Bear. No, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't ever be in a, like a fetish like that, like because I would just be like, "What's wrong with you?" Like that kind of turns people off. <laughs> or or does it? Right. Maybe also, they again, like being questioned. <laughs> exactly. If there, if you can think of anything in the world, there's somebody out there willing to pay money for it. I, I understand that. I'm usually the person. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got some questions from uh, a couple of the listeners. Would you guys be willing to take a listen to those and answer them? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I've listened to a few of these, but uh, we're going to start out. This one's from David in Kansas City. Does being on this podcast make you feel like you finally hit rock bottom? Son of a... So that was David. <laughs> Uh, never fear. I've been on way worse podcasts than this one. Uh, Jeremy. Uh, I mean, I've hit rock bottom several times. I, at least I think, um, I keep redefining what rock bottom is. Um, but, eh, yeah, I'm well, near there, I guess. Maybe also, liar. Rock bottom's not that bad. The rock bottom has won the WWF championship multiple times. True so. story. True story. All right, let's see what else we got out here. Maybe someone with a legitimate question. <laughs> hey, this is Alex from Texas. What gave you the idea to give stand-up comedy a try to begin with? Um, I guess I'll take that. I uh, I always liked comedy, um, but I was always too shy to do it um and i was always funny around friends like friends from work we would all be hanging out and i mentioned one time while drinking i really wanted to try stand up and basically the people i worked with at the time wouldn't leave me alone about it and just pestered me and pestered me and pestered me until so i said tried to like uh basically just like Okay, well, I'll try. So I sent an email to the Kansas City Improv saying, I see you have, like, an open mic showcase. Like, can I get on? My friends want to see me do comedy. And they're like, yeah, because they saw the words my friends and they saw dollar signs. Yeah. And uh, after, you know, I went up and I did it, and it went surprisingly well the first time, and I've been hooked ever since. And just uh, on a side note, as a comic, like, I tell this story to other comics, and they get really pissed because it's – not easy at all to get on at the improv and i literally did my first comedy ever there and people are like how the hell did you do that but uh and matt was actually supposed to be on that show but canceled last minute because that's when ama snake was blowing up right he was too big for the improv at that moment listen <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean i started 
because I was always, I mean, I was voted class clown in school. I've always been good at talking. I've always liked comedy. The real reason I started is because my band had broken up. And I still wanted to do something creatively that I didn't have to rely on other people. And I was like, well, it only takes one guy to tell jokes. So, fuck y'all. Right on. So, what kind of band? What, what kind of music did you guys play? Oh, God, we were awful music. Uh, <laughs> we were like punk and metal and couldn't really decide on a sound. And <laughs> it was all right. Um, So let me ask you guys, because I see a lot of this. Um, Every time I'd come to to one of Jeremy's shows, um, I would see people come up afterwards and, hey, man, I I think this is awesome. This is something I could do. This is something I really want to do. How do I get into being comedy? My friends all tell me I'm the funniest guy they know. Does that happen to you guys a lot, or have I just been there to witness a couple of times it It does happen? It happens almost every single show, Um, (laughs) legitimately someone sees it and i guess there must be something about how poorly we do it that makes them think (laughs) hey i can do that too (laughs) Uh, but yeah all the constantly some people know a little bit more like some people are like i heard there was an open mic uh uh what do you know about that well less than google knows probably but yeah though whenever i'm at an open mic and someone comes up and says it's their first time and then they mention the words, my friends uh, think I'm hilarious. It always means it's going to be horrible. People just assume that the stories you tell amongst your friends translate to stage in front of strangers. And they don't realize, one, that like there's a structure to comedy. There's, there's a rhythm. There's cutting, you know, just rambling stories don't work. And two, that random people don't understand all the the dynamic you and your friends have all the inside jokes and all the people that are, you know, in your life. So, um, usually it's just terrible when people go up and just start telling stories It almost always means it's going to be the worst thing that night on stage. And I have personally witnessed that a few times. I've, I've had people when I told them I was going to be doing a, a podcast on comedy, they were like, Oh yeah, give me some tips. I'm thinking about doing it. And I just look at them and I say, okay, Go to work tomorrow, and all those people that think you're hilarious, ask them all to pay you five bucks and entertain them for 30 minutes and tell me how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the best way I can put it is I, I, I've personally witnessed multiple times where you could tell, like, especially at the improv, when we go there for the, uh, oh, what's the name of that comedy thing, Cla- Jeremy? Clash Cla- of the Comics. Clash of the Comics. I, I nothing pisses me off more than when somebody goes up there three sheets to the wind and just kind of makes an ass out of themselves, but they brought 30 people who are clapping and I watch legitimate good comedians not make it through to the next round. And this bumbling idiot go through just because they happen to bring 14 people from work that were yeah. all as lit as they were. That's super frustrating. I know the comedy competitions. That's just, that's the way it is. It's, I mean, you have to look at it also on the 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 side of the club because they they're making they need to pack that house out, so they're gonna push people who bring a lot of people um, because that's how they're gonna make their money. Um, because in general, those places are uh, those shows are comped for the most part, so they need people to buy food and drinks to make their money. So it sucks as a comedian when you feel like you're 
you've done better than somebody, but you have to kind of look at it that way and uh, and know the perspective of the club. But it doesn't make it any easier, especially in the moment, to deal with it. Yeah, I don't lose competitions, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to switch to another question, and I have a feeling this is going to foster a completely uh, different conversation, but. This is Mike from Colorado Springs. I was wondering, do you have any good Craig Glazier stories? <laughs> uh, first of all, Jeremy, do you have any? <laughs> uh, I don't really fuck with Stanford. So it's just I've put in effort there and never gotten anywhere. And I see the people, they have to put basically have to sit there and suck the Glazers dick to get any time there. Um, and you know, Matt's done, done, done stuff there, but, uh, he has, I don't know if he sucked any dick. I no, uh, <laughs> you'll, but you'll hear. I just, uh, personally, I haven't reaped any benefits of the time I put in there. So, um, I stay away from Stanford's, but, uh, I, I mean, I have a few different Craig stories. There was, one time where Brandon Murphy and I walked back into uh, the office to ask him uh, if who was hosting that next week. And we walk into the office. He's sitting there on the phone in sweatpants just with his hands just right down there holding his junk, doing something. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't remove the hand from the sweatpants. He left it in there the whole conversation. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, he's the only white man. I guess he's Jewish. Uh, that I've heard just use the N-word hard R casually, constantly. And he, like, <laughs> dates a black girl, which is the weirdest thing in the world. Um, but he'll just he'll just say it. And he has, like, no hesitation. I'm just like, what? Uh, and I didn't work there for years because he just kind of started, like, saying, yeah, call me back, or... And then I'd call him back, and he wouldn't remember what we talked about, and they slowly kind of, like, just, it wasn't wasn't worth my time to keep trying to get booked. And so I booked a, I booked a hosting week recently just because I kind of wanted to get back on their stage. I went, I picked up the headliner, brought him to the venue, and there was another person there getting ready to host the show. Uh, <laughs> I said, what? how are you going to start the show? I brought the fucking headliner. Like, what is going on? So I just, I talked to Jeff, who was there. Jeff Glazer is Craig's brother. And I said, well, I'm done. I'm not doing the week. Craig then messaged me on Facebook, offering me four free tickets to go see the show. <laughs> <laughs> to which I responded, LOL, I was supposed to host this week and got double booked. Uh... And then on my very tame Facebook post about it, where I just said, told everyone, hey, if you were going to go see me this week, I'm not going to be there. He just starts like publicly trying to trash me in the comments on that post. <laughs> like, he's like, you're talking all this shit. And I was like, I talking shit. I just told people I wouldn't be there. What? Yeah, you know how like an entire week you promote you're going to be at a club to try to bring people out to the club and then the club fucks you over and not doing a spot uh, not let you do the spot so you want to just tell your friends hey if you drive all the way out to fucking Kansas I'm not going to be there like the courtesy thing to do 
Um, and him kicks the bad guy from this. Yeah, he Fuck got pissed Greg off Lashley. at me. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, god! All right, he's he's still my friend on Facebook, so hopefully he'll message me after he listens to this podcast. He won't listen to this podcast. Oh, I know. He won't be one of the eight <laughs> people that listen to this podcast, so you'll be safe on that. So. I- I literally think I will probably never work for the Bat Club again, so I'm not worried about it. Well, who knows? Give it about 20 more years, and then they'll probably I mean, run. Look, we're going to bring the I'm a Snake guy in. Right. Maybe I'll start selling Coke, and they'll want me to come. Right. <laughs> uh, or maybe you'll star in a sitcom now, and then they'll wait until it's off yeah, the air for yeah, 30 years, and then bring you in. Yeah, if he he'll we're going to sitcom now, and then, yeah, when 20 years later, when people barely remember that sitcom. You are Stanford's material. <laughs> you see, I feel like 20 years is generous, guys. It's 2017, and he's booking someone from good times. Oh, <laughs> that's true. 40 years. That is a 40-year gap of relevancy. I don't know. He stays on Groupon, though. My phone blows up all the time. Come <laughs> come watch somebody I've never heard of, and we'll give you free chicken wings. It'll be dynamite. <laughs> I bet he's heartbroken that Screech is in jail. Oh, I know. Hey. How are they going to fill that third week in August every single year? It's so crazy that he uses the N-word so much and like two of his, his two most booked people are J.J. Walker and the the human uh, beatbox guy from the police academy. Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow, yeah. J.J. Walker probably isn't too offended by the N-word because he does bang Ann Coulter. Oh my God, I just, I did not know that. Are you serious? Yeah, it's so weird. It's like the weirdest couple in the history of, of mankind uh, that came out a, a couple months ago on, that oh they're dating. I didn't peg him for a necrophiliac. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> pretty weird. I don't it know, has to be some fucking his dead career for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. It has to be some like slave owner, slave role play kind of shit going on there. Ugh. Ugh. All right, well we we're gonna move on from that. All right, let's let's see what else we have. I think this is the last audio clip we have. Hi, this is Ashley from Kansas City, and I want to know when you're deciding on what material to use in your shows, how do you know if it's crossed the line, and if there is a line, what is that for you? God, did I just dial one nine hundred? Yeah, no joke. Hey, that's my wife. Ooh. You got to be a little easy on oh, that. All right? Oh, I apologize. <laughs> Although I, I think I might have found us some spare income, so that'll be good. Uh, I think myself and probably Jeremy as well don't really uh, worry too much about the line. Um, we tell like there. Yeah, I'd say we definitely do things that cross the line, uh, but. Like, where the line is is different for everybody. So, like, as long as you own it and embrace it and it's, like, real, and as long as you're not punching down, the line doesn't fucking matter. You know? Like... You gotta be funnier than you are offensive. That's just a general rule of comedy. Um, You can't just go out there and just say offensive things to shock people. Because there are people who consider themselves comics in this scene and probably every scene, who just go out and say offensive shit, and they think any reaction they get is laughs. And that's just totally not the case. Um, it's much but, better for a Republican politician. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, in some cases also, you never, you don't learn where the line is until you try. Like, um, sometimes there's jokes you tell, and the reaction is clearly like, whoa. And you're like, okay, not telling that one again, or maybe retooling that joke. But um, 
yeah, I've pissed offended people. Um, you're, you're, I tried to play with the line and push the line, and uh, but I mean, I, I will. I don't just like someone will be like, tell a race joke, and I was like, I don't really have a race joke. Um, I'm, I tell you right now, and it's not because I won't do a race joke. It's because I haven't come up with a race joke I find funny and original enough because everyone's doing race jokes. Right. So it just you have to have a unique take. I won't do something just to do it. I have to have a unique take I think is is worthy of of telling. The juice right. has to be worth the risk, right? Absolutely. Like, what's that fucking hidden passageway into the race joke? Like, how do you go from the fucking conservatory to the ballroom without going all the way across the board? Like, sneak up on them and do a race joke before they even realize you did it. Yeah, definitely. All right, so I got a couple more questions that came in through Facebook. Um, Brian wants to know um, if you guys would be willing to, to talk about a time where the crowd wasn't reacting well or was hostile. Uh, a time when the crowd wasn't reacting well, um, I'd say any time Brandon did stand up on a Lucha Raptor show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's horrible and not true. Always. Only sometimes true. Like um, 75% of the time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess the most hostile one I had is I had a joke, and in the joke, it was something about sids but like that wasn't really the punchline but just because i had mentioned sudden infant death syndrome which i mean yeah maybe something you don't mention a lot on stage this guy who was drunk and came in with his like construction crew like stood up and yelled my baby's dead and it just went crickets <laughs> and he just yelled that and i'm just standing there and i just go so who likes blowjobs? <laughs> oh my god! And then he was laughing before I left the stage. Oh, oh that's great! I got a story. Um, it was like right after Christmas, and I wanted some holiday themed material. And uh, I think like half the bar was there be- from before the show because it was like a restaurant bar, and uh, there were a bunch of like you know older ladies, and I. Uh, there were literally three quarters of the crowd, actually, and I went. I, I was so proud. I came up with a Christmas joke, and then I was like, uh, "It was something to do with uh, uh, G- Jesus realizing he popped his own mom's cherry," and yeah. literally <laughs> three fourths of the bar got up and left. Just immediately <laughs> walked out. <laughs> Which let's let's be fair, that is a pretty brilliant take on that joke. Oh my god! And also, I understand why they left. <laughs> right. Uh, that could fall into finding that line. Did you tell that joke again, though? Oh, several times. Oh, of course. <laughs> it's just no. It's just knowing your crowd. Like I can tell that joke um, in front of a Lucha after crowd, and a few couple people might cringe, but. Um, the majority of the people are going to be into it. Um, it's just knowing your audience. Right. That was not my audience. Um, so, yeah, we've cultivated cool. a pretty good audience for our shows to where even if it's offensive, we've usually only offended like one or two people. It's usually just the new people that get offended. Right. Yeah. I, I remember what was the Jeremy? It was the first clash of the comics I went to, and the guy that was hosting was tanked. Do you remember that? That was Chavis. Yeah, he was a he's a guy's a mess 
just in general. Oh my god! <laughs> and and the crowd was just destroying him. And then he yeah. he tried to do like he tried to like pick on people in the crowd, and he was getting it worse from the people he was trying to pick on. And I just remember like. It it was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. That's just what happens when you have non funny people, you know, host things. And you know, he he was a guy who worked at the club and worked as a you know at, at the bar. And he decided he wanted to get into comedy, and because he worked there, he uh, you know he got spots and stuff. And it just proves that you know you you can't just walk you know walk up and immediately do comedy. You, you have to put in the time, and you know become it take it takes a while and. You can't, you know, just because someone wants to do comedy, it doesn't always work out. And yeah, just because you guys, work at a movie theater doesn't mean that you're fucking Tom Cruise. So, <laughs> yeah, that that does make a lot of sense. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, Sean wants to know who is your uh, comedic idol and why. And uh, if you want to go so far to talk about it, what was your favorite skit that they did or uh, line? So a lot in that one question there. Um, I'd say the first guy that made me actually like want to do stand up was Patton Oswalt. Uh, now, now I wouldn't necessarily consider him like my comedic idol, but back then, like his Comedy Central special and stuff, just really made me like think, you know, you can be kind of fucking nerdy and like do stand up. And so, like, you know, I kind of followed that, and I liked, I liked him a lot. But I feel like my – it's changed a lot. Like, what really has driven me to want to do a lot of the things I do with Lucha Raptor and do the different weird shit is watching Bo Burnham's specials because he'll just, like mm-hmm. – just suddenly he's doing a song, and then next thing you know, he's doing this weird, like, experimental bit with the lights, and then he's, like, doing a poem, and then he's, like, reading weird Shakespeare, and then he's just doing one-liners. And I was like – that's the, that's the fucking show. Like, why are you boring people? Just do some shit. Yeah. That... Yeah. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, for me, it just has to be uh, like it. it it's going to sound horrible now because it's definitely not something I'm into now. But the first time I remember really connecting with stand up, I was in high school and it was the blue collar comedy tour <laughs> dude though they, they get shit on but those dudes made yeah. fucking paper it was ron white specifically although i th- i really lo- i mean i think larry the cable guy does get shit on but he made me laugh when he started but ron white specifically i would just watch his over and over and over and i i just thought he was brilliant and then i you know started branching out into different things and now it's like the, the main people most people li- like look at like louis i like louis but it's not i like a lot of like non-traditional people who people don't think about as much like i love ron funches he's super weird and funny I like and, funches. and uh i like like gerard carmichael and just you know weird azizi ansari and people that aren't maybe like your then the number one names for like stand up um uh, are my kind of go-tos uh, definitely more stuff that's like non-traditional um and i think that's why like lucha raptor works so well um is because we all like have a have definitely a non-traditional look paul is just paul shields is one of the funniest people i've ever met and most people in the city in the stand-up scene don't even know who he is Ugh. and it's a shame I think they're getting to know who he is because of our show. Definitely. For sure. 
I about but died. That, maybe five people knew him. I about died laughing when he did the, uh, oh, uh, my neck, my back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you yep. and uh, you and Paul are uh, are partners in a uh, musical supergroup, right, Matt? Oh yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, cause Paul, Paul, tr- his traditional thing was uh, guitar comedy even though now he just does everything for our show. But like his old set was doing songs. And so we wrote, he went the, in fact, the way me and Paul became friends, he went with me to a comic convention that myself and Matt McKinnis were doing. And Paul just wrote along and we wrote like fucking five dirty songs in the call, in the van on the way there. Cause it was like a 10 hour drive. Uh, and then we just played the songs at the, at the show we went to. And <laughs> since then we've just, yeah, just wrote a bunch of, just as awful as we can get with our songs, we do it. And what's the name of your group? We are Ecto Cooler, uh, and just like just like the old High C with the uh, Slimer on the bottle. Uh, I was so mad when they brought that back and then took it away. Yeah, uh, it's just honestly, it's one of those things where nostalgia isn't as like they brought it back, and I had one, and I'm just like, yeah, it was it's all right, but I'm not going to drink it regularly now. The surge um, effect. Yeah, for I, sure. I will drink surge all day. I will still drink surge. I won't. It's pay. a hell of a mixer, man. It's a hell of a mixer. I won't pay the money it was going for on on eBay when it first came back, but hey, now you can find it still. So like, yeah, no big deal. So you got you were talking about blue collar comedy, Jeremy. I got to tell you this. Uh, rub it back in your face about the time I met Shawn Michaels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no. I remember taking my dad to, uh, it was, it's a work comp attorney that we deal with at work, throws a big backyard blowout. And he also happens to have a hunting show, uh, with Shawn Michaels on the outdoor channel or something like that. But he invites us to his big backyard blowout. And this guy has flies in Jeff Foxworthy to tell stand up in his backyard in front of about a hundred people. And it made my, you know, my, at the time, probably 53 year old dad who, um, is never too high and never too low as giddy as I've ever seen him in my life. So that was, that was pretty cool thing. And Jeremy, yeah, did you really know? Cool. When Drew messaged me like, you know, a few weeks before that, I mean like, Hey, I get to go to, uh, uh, see Ch- uh, Jeff Foxworthy and meet Shawn Michaels at this 4th of July party. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's inviting me to this shit. And the invitation never came. <laughs> I only had I only had two tickets. What did you think That's I was going to do? Uh, if I could have got you in there, I would have gotten you in there. Trust me. But yeah, yeah, I'm, you're not, not I'm not exactly not... the sneak them in type of guy, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could have sold you as security. Yeah, uh, not really. Like, there's as a, a there's barricade. Yeah. <laughs> There's a there's a point in obesity where you're too fat to be a security guard. I passed that point a long time ago. You could just <laughs> literally block the door. Yeah, well, that's about it. Uh, but yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, so we got a couple more questions for you guys. Um, Trevor wants to know, uh, what was or is your biggest challenge as a comedian? Um, and then he's got another question after you answer that. My biggest challenge as a comedian is continuing to want to do comedy. Uh, and I don't mean that like in a bad way. It's just like a, 
I now have like a career, you know, this big boy job that's paying me money and it's taking up all this time and I have to do creative stuff for that. It's like, so do I still want to go out and do it? And that's honestly why I don't like hit the mics after work and stuff like that. Like, you know, I just kind of want to live a normal life. And that's another reason the show's good. But my biggest problem is like, man, like, do I still want to do this? Like, what's the end game? Like, now that I have this job, someone would have to offer me, like, a real legit thing. Like, I wouldn't just go on the road and live in a van and make $20,000 a year. Like, that that's not going to take me away from my job. So I would have to jump, like, 10 steps in comedy to even make it worth it. So now that's my biggest thing is, like, why do I still do it? Because I have to. Yeah. Um, for me, it's it's very similar it's, uh, motivation. Um, I don't, you know, hit a lot of mics. It's I I get frustrated at mics just because you see the same things over and over and over. And I it's, I have to remind myself that this is just the process. Like you have to do these things to get new material, and you have to work on things. And it just as the longer I do it, just the harder it is for me to tolerate um, the process. And also. Um, Besides the motivation part, it's just as far as the actual the material. Um, the hardest thing for me is um, broadening my material. It's very easy to fall in the rut. Like I'm, I'm a huge, huge fat guy, so to tell all like jokes about being fat, and um, I had to force myself to write other things because when you just go on and talk about your weight for 30 minutes it gets old and people start sometimes pitying you instead of uh, thinking you're funny. And it's like, so you tell a joke that's, you know, has a lot of truth in it, but it's a joke and people are like, Oh, and that's the last thing you want to be the reaction when you're telling jokes is for people to start just like, like pitying. And uh, so that's a problem. That's a, a struggle for me just because I like to tell jokes that have truth and, uh, and, and life experience. And that's, that's a big part of my life. And, uh, but so just forcing myself to broaden my horizons and write different things is, is a challenge. Fair enough. Fair enough. Trevor also wants to know what's your favorite place to do a show and why? Uh, if I'm just talking stand up, my favorite place in Kansas city, my favorite stage. And now that they're back there, it makes me kind of want to work with them again, but I'm not going to. My favorite stage was the legend stage for Stanford and sons. Because it was the first stage I ever did, and it's like this weird fucking stage that like just has like this jet out into the crowd, yeah. like a fucking walkway. Yeah. And I loved how weird that was because I could just do weird things like physically, even if my jokes were normal, I could just be weird on the weird stage. Uh, otherwise, the improv's a great place to do it, and because the crowd's always there and they're always hot. But then, I mean, Uptown Arts Bar, because they let us do whatever the fuck we want, and that's where we do our show, so. Yeah, uh, improv is my favorite stage, and I think it's part of what Matt was saying. That's the first place I ever did comedy, so um, was the improv, and I don't think I've ever had a bad set at the improv. Um, I've always, it's just, it's usually really fun, and then the Arts Bar, it's just, it's, it's, it's like a home, home field, you know, home turf scenario i've done comedy there almost as much as any other place uh if not more than any other place so it's just uh you always have that kind of home home field advantage whenever you perform there and 
they're 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 really good for the the local art scene. So that's that's probably the place. Do they? Yeah, st- fuck yeah. Do they still have the? Uh... After your show's over, the weird music open mic comes on afterwards. Uh, it's different stuff every time now. Oh. Uh, like there was some concert this time, and last time nothing followed us, which was yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I've, there was one time I went, and it was very obvious that the people that started showing up towards the end of the show were there for what was going on afterwards, and uh-huh. were liquored up, and were like, "Oh, I'm just walking into a comedy show. I'm gonna try and be the funniest guy in the room," and it was very embarrassing for them and yes. their girlfriend. So. <laughs> That happens sometimes, but also, like, we've had the opposite happen where people have shown up early for what comes after us, and they've come in and enjoyed the hell out of the show. And I've had people, like, you know, oh, we're going to come back and see you guys later. You know, we've had people just who are in the bar. We had a guy last night who was just in the bar, and he's like, oh, you're doing a show after this? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'll stay for it. I'm like, that's great. And he came up to me after. He's like, I'm going to come every month. And so that's that. That's awesome. Like, that's one of my favorite things is, you know, converting people who weren't, didn't even know they were going to see comedy, now they see it and enjoy it. Like I love that. Yeah, I mean, we have to be making some sort of name for ourselves because, like, it, we used to rely on just bringing all the people we know when we first started it, and now, God, I think we slacked off like jackoffs trying to promote this last show, and we still had thirty people in the room. So that is excellent to hear. Excellent. Yeah, my wife keeps uh, bugging me to find a babysitter so we can get out there and see you guys because she is definitely it, a fan yeah. of comedy. So maybe I'll tell her if she can hit that uh, 1-900 hotline for a little while, we'll have enough money to get down there. <laughs> I got one more question for you guys, and uh, and and I know this will kind of hit a nerve and you'll want to talk about, but how do you guys respond when people say, oh, you're a comedian, say something funny? <laughs> Uh, really a lot of times I just don't respond at all. Like I just kind of blow it off. I'm just kind of like, nah, I'm not going to do that. And they're just like, okay. Or they'll say, what's your best joke? And I'll just drop a quick one line or like, if it depends on how I'm feeling, if I'm feeling real rascally, I might say, you know, I might, you know, say something like, Oh, uh, you're a butcher. Fucking kill cow for me. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I just, I feel like, I feel like lately that has happened so much less, like people stopped doing that, but man, I swear to God for a while they would do, they just put you in the spot where you're just like, I don't want to be an asshole to you right now, but like, I might be an asshole to you right now. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally tough because it, I, I have a hard time telling my material in the first place in a non, you know, traditional stage. Like I don't, I, so, and jokes don't necessarily work a lot of times outside of, you know, a stage setting. So it's hard. I mean, you know, I've, like you said, set, set one liners I might go to, but like, I, it's very hard. People just assume that like, you know, you can just, you know, step off a stage and just, start telling jokes in conversation and it doesn't work at all. It's it's like that. It's like that uh, Geico commercial where the lady puts all the pictures on her, on her wall. And she's like, that's not how this works. That's not how yeah. any of this works. Like it's just, it just, it really isn't how it works. Even my one liners, like, God, they are, they're just not appropriate for some person at my work walking up and saying, tell me one of your jokes. 
how about fucking no? Because HR's around the corner. <laughs> like, no. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, guys, I think that's it for the questions. Is there anything else you guys want to say about comedy and how that works? Oh, you know, uh, I could let let's 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 make a list of every Kansas City comedian and whether they're shitty or not, and then they'll all listen and we'll, we'll tell them that at the end of the podcast we said who was shitty and who wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it Get is by. your chance to go. Oh, he's shitty. <laughs> Do oh, it. Man. Lightning round. Name me comics. Chris Pine. Jenny. Uh, God. Jeremy it's Smith. So many. Yeah, Jenny. Um, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really don't want to like offend. He doesn't want to be. He, he's not even the one saying who's shitty or not, and he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Chris Pine. You're not that shitty. You're shitty. Uh, he's gotten better. It's, I mean, it was. Couldn't get worse, but he's gotten better. <laughs> he's actually probably going to listen to this. Yeah, he's one of the few people that will listen to this. So I'm sorry. And he actually, I'm actually booked on one of his things next month. So you were booked. Oops. You're about to yeah. get Craig Glazier, bro. I'm, I'm the one that's being mean. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Chris Pine. I have no reason to be mean to you. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I can always cut that out. I can always <laughs> cut that out. I won't <laughs> cut it out at all. But but I could. <laughs> well, Mr. Keck. No. How uh, how can these people listening, hearing you for the first time, reach out, find out who you are, see some of the stuff you've done? Uh, you can you can Google Matt Keck, or you can go to Matt Keck on Facebook, or you can look up Matt Keck sucks. That's Matt Keck sucks on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, and MattKeckSucks.com is the website. Or imasnake.com if you want to buy some bullshit. <laughs> and you can just look up I'm a Snake on the old YouTube. YouTube.com slash Matt Keck. Or just Google Wendy's Twitter roasts. And like I did, you know, a good percentage of those. Do you still get paid off of I'm a Snake? Oh, yes. How upset does it make you when you see a video that's not affiliated with you of I'm a Snake on Facebook? Um... You know, it's like at first, the first time I saw one and it had like 200,000 views and I was like, what the fuck? I could get paid for those 200,000 views and I'm not getting paid. But then like it started hitting some of these huge pages and it was getting millions and millions. And I was like, you know, honestly, like at this point, I've made my money off this thing. Like, and I'm still making money off of it. Like, fuck it. Like it's now it's just like this meme, man. Like people are just like, I'm going to put this in my damn, in my damn Instagram video or like Logan Paul used it in a god dang one of his vlogs. That dude's way more popular than me. It's like no one knows who I am, but they fucking know a thing I did. Yeah. I don't know who Logan Paul is. Well, he's that really ripped blonde guy that was doing a bunch of stuff to promote Baywatch with The Rock. Okay. Jeremy, where can they find you at, brother? I don't have an Instagram or Snapchat anymore. Um, well, I have one, but I don't use it um, on both of those points. Uh, Jeremy NKC, INKC on Twitter. Jeremy Smith on Facebook. Like our Facebook page, Lucha Raptor. Oh, yeah, do that. Um, like that because we we will be posting more stuff. We need to. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff from our anniversary shows that we have recorded still that might eventually you know see the internet um yeah we got to talk to paul about that 
because there was some really, really funny stuff from those shows. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, hopefully we'll come up with some, some more new original, you know, uh, sketches. I, earlier you called it skits and that's like one of my biggest pet peeves is when Sorry. someone calls comedy skits cause it makes me feel like I'm in a third grade talent show. <laughs> which, <laughs> I don't have a problem with skits. <laughs> to be, to be fair, some of the stuff we've done has been worse than a third grade talent show. But like, I don't know, just the word skit just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, Scott, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, just let like our Facebook page, Lucha Raptor, and come to our shows every last Saturday of the month at the Uptown Arts Bar because it is not traditional. That's what the one thing that when I started doing comedy, when you start, whenever someone starts doing comedy, it's so easy to get everyone to come out because they're like, Jeremy's doing comedy now, I want to see that. And you, you get you get like in this space where you think like every show I'm going to do, like everyone I know is going to come to it. And then you, very quickly you realize that when someone sees you do comedy once, they don't give a shit about seeing you do comedy again. And, you know, people in your life will be like, you be like, hey, come to the show. And they're like, ah, I've seen you. And I'm like, see me four years ago. I'm a lot different. And um, I can genuinely say, like, when you see me do stand up, a lot of the stuff's going to be the same over and over. I get it. Um Every Lucha Raptor show is a completely different show. We repeat nothing. Um, and so you can come to our shows every month and get something brand new every month. And that is something you I can't say about any other comedy show in the city, in my opinion. Um, so come see us because it's a fun time. And even if you don't think it's the funniest thing in the world, it will be new and original and you have something to talk about at work. Right on, right on. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it, man. Coming in with that hard sell at the end. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate I, it, man. Oh, definitely. And yeah, I, I put the least effort amount, the effort, the least amount of effort into actually creating our shows. So I feel like I have to put the most amount of effort into promoting them. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> Matt, I appreciate you stopping by a pretty bad, pretty bad podcast, man. It was a good time, and uh, thanks for having me. I had a pretty bad time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's not the worst; it's just pretty bad. So, but we'll have to have you back on when we talk about something in your wheelhouse. Well, thank you guys for stopping by. We appreciate you uh, coming through. Uh, We'll look forward to having you guys on again. And uh, until next time, everybody, we appreciate you taking a listen to a pretty bad podcast. Um, I'm going to throw this out there. We are undecided about what we're going to talk about next time. So after you give this a listen, head on over to the Facebook page, um, on the uh, post for this video, go ahead and comment about what you'd like us to talk about. And, uh, we'll, we'll think on it and see what we can come together and, and, and put together for you guys until next time. This is drew. Appreciate you guys swinging by. Thanks.